Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and from the Holy Spirit who has called us to faith by the proclamation of the gospel and who will keep us in the one true faith until that glorious reappearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. We want to talk a little bit this morning about this word, the gospel, and what the gospel means to the church and the people of God, and especially what the gospel means for us in today's economy, today's society in which we live. We need the gospel more than anything else in our society in which we live today. I was just reading a Facebook blog from Dr. Dale Meyer, who is the president of Concordia Seminary St. Louis. And you know, he's about to retire, and so they're looking for a replacement. And he says in his Facebook blog, he said, people, are, people, uh, people ask, where are you and Diane going to live in your retirement? And he says, we love America, but after this week, I want to live someplace else, he said. He, he said, let us review the week. What does the Super Bowl halftime show about the change in America's culture? If you, ever, if you saw it, then you know what took place at the Super Bowl halftime. And he said, what happened to marching bands, the State of the Union speech and reactions, impeachment proceedings and press conferences, all show us politicals, a politician refused to show respect for their opponent. And he said at the National Prayer Breakfast, Harvard professor Arthur Brooks said, contempt is ripping our country apart. We're like a couple on the rocks in this country. Ask God to take political contempt from our heart. And sometimes when it's too hard, and ask God to help us to fake it. And he went on and he says that when the president says after Arthur, I don't know if I agree with you there. And he goes on and he said, as distraught by the deterioration of our public culture, what can, where can I escape this madness? And then he says he heard the gospel. And he heard the good news of the gospel last week where Jesus said, blessed are the poor, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed of those who hunger. And he said once again, it came to life, the reality of why we are here. We're here to have faith and believe in God and in God alone to trust in him and believe that God knows what is right for us and that in the midst of all of the groping in the darkness of sin, God has an answer. And that answer is the gospel. Well, Rosa Young knew about that. Her father was an AME pastor who was a circuit rider in, in, uh, in Alabama, a little small town called Rosebud. You know the little small towns in our country where you have Rosebud on the back, Rosebud on the front, is that about the size of the town? And she wanted an education. And during the South in those days, in the, in the early, in the mid-1800s and in the early 1900s, uh, the state would only put one school, in Alabama at least, I don't know how it was here, but the state would only put one school in a county for African Americans. And you had to find your way to that school, however you could get there. And so they had Monroe County Training School and, 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 and the different county training schools. And my mom city it was a Tauga County training school and wherever you lived in that county you had to find your way up to that school it was a, a K through 12th grade school and she was enrolled by Wilcox County and so they had a Wilcox County training school and she had to find her way there where her home was far away from Wilcox County training school but she found a way to get an education she prayed that if God would give her give her a college education that she would go back to this little town called Rosebud Alabama and she would start a school and throughout, throughout rural Alabama, she would teach kids uh, and, and, and then share with them her faith. 
And so she graduated head of her class at the school in Selma, Alabama, not our school, but uh, a school of the Methodist Church in Selma, Alabama. And she went back there and she started this little school, Rosebud Literary and Industrial uh, uh, School. And it was a school to teach read and write and arithmetic, but also teach the girls how to sew and teach the young men how to do different trades. And it fell on hard times in, in, in the early 1900s. And she wrote Booker T. Washington, many of you probably know that name, Booker T. Washington in Tuskegee, Alabama. He had started the school in Tuskegee for African Americans on that side of the area of Alabama. And he was going throughout the South trying to bring kids into his school. And Rosa wrote him and asked him, did he know of any, any church up north, any white church up north that could help her save her school? And he wrote her back and he said, well, there's only one church that I know doing more work among African Americans in the South than any other church body. And he said that was the Lutherans. And he gave her the name of the mission executive, uh, Christopher Drews, and he said, write to him. And she wrote, and he sent the greatest missionary among African Americans in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate. And he sent him down there, and he came down, and he saw the school of 200 kids in the school. And he went back and he said, we need to bring that school into the Missouri Senate. And they brought the school into the Missouri Senate, and they catechized and, 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 and uh, colloquized Rosa Young and her staff in, into the Senate. And it became the first school on the Alabama field in 1916. It was the first school on the Alabama field in church, Christ Lutheran Church and School. Because one woman wanted to hear the gospel, believed that God had not abandoned them in the place where they lived. And she sought out in the midst of someone who could come and help. And the church decided to go down south and help. And so then that was the first, the last really major field in America where African-Americans came into the Lutheran Church and naturally from the south most people moved north and they started ch schools and churches in the north as they moved to places like Chicago and Detroit and and in and, and many other places up north but it was all about one thing and one thing only that Rosa Young wanted these poor kids in rural Alabama in these sharecropping communities to hear about the news of a God who loves the world of God, in spite of ourselves, the brokenness of our sin, the sinfulness that we create each and every day in our lives. She wanted those families and those children to hear the good news of the gospel. And she stayed in that community. She never married. She stayed in that community. And she educated those kids throughout her whole life. And they wanted a, a finishing school, so they started Concordia College, Alabama, that no longer exists today, so that the kids can get a high school education and they can also graduate from college and go back in those communities to be educators, and men would go on to be pastors uh, to, throughout other universities. But she wanted them to hear that one thing needful, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And she said people who were groping in the midst of darkness needed to hear the light of God's grace and his mercy because they had been abandoned after slavery and they were living in these sharecropping communities and they were groping in the darkness. There were not many churches down there and she wanted that light of the gospel to come. And she said when the Lutheran church came, it was the first time in her life that she had heard the pure gospel. For God loves sinners and his son became a sinner so that sinners become children of God. Paul says that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not counting our sins against us. That he who knew no sin became sin for the world, so that in him the world might go 
free. Isn't that good news? You can answer. Isn't that good news? Amen. That's good news. It is good news to know that in a world that is broken in all parts, even in our religion and in our politics and in our culture, in our communities, in a world that is broken and torn apart, it is still good news for the church to run back into the world and say, we have an answer. We have an answer for the problems of the world. And it is the God who created us in his image, though fallen, has recreated us in the image of his son. And this God loves us so much that like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he came to them and clothed their nakedness. And he clothes our rebellion today. He closes it with that good news that God loves sinners. Sinners who sin every day in thought, word, and deed. Sinners who sin, the sin of omission, the sin of commission. But the greatest sin of all for the church is the sin of no mission. When we refuse to go back out into the communities which God has called us and tell the story about a God who came from glory, who sought us and bought us with his redeeming love, and who brought us into his kingdom, and who declared that we are children of God through the good news of the gospel. Paul says about this gospel in Romans, the 16th chapter, verse 17. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God unto salvation to anyone who believes it. He said, yes, to the Jew, but also to the Greeks and the Gentiles. He said, for in it, in what? In the gospel, God reveals his righteousness. God reveals his righteousness in the gospel. God reveals how he interacts with his human creation in the gospel. God reveals his heart in the gospel. God reveals his hands of serving in the gospel. God reveals his feet of running to us in the gospel. And in the gospel, God declares that we are right with him. Not because of anything we've done, but because what he has done, what Jesus has done for the world, that Jesus took all of our sins in his body and he made his way down that road where some historians call Via Della Rosa, by the way of the rose. And he made his way to that hill called Golgotha, Golgotha, the way they pronounce it. And he hung on that cross of Calvary. And there he died that we might go free, but death could not conquer him. He lives that we might have eternity. Good news? You better believe it is. It is the news of a God who did not abandon us in the midst of us, groping in the darkness of our sins, hating each other, hurting one another, destroying each other, breaking our relationship with each other. But God did not abandon us. When Adam and Eve had broken their relationship with God by doing what he told them not to do, he just did not sit in heaven and complain about it. But he sought them out in the midst of their nakedness and their hiding from him. And he asked them, where were you? And they said, we are hiding. He said, why are you hiding? That you do what I told you not to do. And, they, and Adam first said, what? Well, you know, I was doing all right until you gave me the woman, right? And Eve said, well, listen, it's not my fault. You created the serpent and put him in the garden. And the blame game started. And don't we blame each other for the problems that we ourselves create in our society today? We always, it's always somebody else's fault. We blame one another, and then we become angry at each other, and then we do horrific and horrible things to each other. Listen, the gospel is the only thing that can break the hardest substance known to man, 
and that is the sin-crusted heart. The gospel, religion can't do it, politics can't do it, culture can't do it, our ethnicity can't do it. The only thing can break the hardest substance known to man, the sin-sick heart, is the gospel. And God comes in the gospel. He comes to us in Christ. And he says, though your sins are red like scarlet, I can make them white as snow. Though they are like crimson, I can make them like wool. And he comes in the gospel to forgive us of our sins, to deliver us from death and the devil, and to give us eternal life. Isn't that good news? And you know what? He always comes. He always comes. Doesn't matter how many sins we commit, God comes. Like the father of the prodigal, he runs to us. And he says, my son and my daughter who was dead is alive. He and she who were lost has been found. And he always throws the party. And he always put the robe of righteousness on us. And he always kills the fatted calf and threw a party. He always put the ring on our fingers because he knows that we cannot do it ourselves. But he comes as our creator and recreator in Christ to do what we cannot do. That is to declare that we are right with him. And so we can be right with the world. So in this day and age, then, the church must proclaim the only thing that we have to deliver to the world, and that is the gospel. That is to tell them that Jesus can, that Jesus saves, that this little light that God has given to us, that we are the salt of the earth, and that we care for those who are broken. Our epistle lesson simply says it so beautifully, is that we are to serve one another. We are to be there for the poor, the hopeless, the homeless. Jesus said it so beautifully when, when, you, when you read the 25th chapter of the book of Matthew, and when he says when the king comes, He's going to divide the nations among them uh, from themselves. And those that are on the right, he's going to say some things. And those that are on the left, he's going to say some things. And he's going to say, when I was hungry, you did what? You know the text. When I was hungry, you. When I was thirsty, you. When I was a stranger, you invited me in. When I was naked, you. And when I was in prison, you. And they, and they said, well, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you naked? When did we see you thirsty? When did we see you a stranger on the street? When did we see you in prison? And he said, as you did it unto the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it unto me. Pastor and I, we went down to, where did we go yesterday? Greenwood. And as we went to Greenwood, you know, I'd been hearing about Greenwood, didn't know a whole lot about it. And uh, they say that next year's uh, the, the 100th anniversary uh, of Greenwood, and we went down there. I said, oh, I want to see Greenwood as I took some pictures. And, uh, and he was sharing with me some things. We went inside the museum, and we saw some things and all of that. We saw the AME church across the street there. And then we rode around this area of Greenwood, and we saw homeless people all over the place. And I thought in my mind's eye, this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew. When I was thirsty, you, you brought me water. When I was hungry, you, you brought me a plate. When I was a stranger, you, you came and, and, and you invited me in. When I was naked, you, you took some clothes out of your own closet and you clothed me. 
when I was in prison, you visited me. And the question Jesus said, well, well, we say, well, Lord, when did we do it? When did we see it? As you did it unto the least of these. All of those whose lives have been turned upside down because of this thing we call sin. The brokenness of our humanity. That God sees the world in Christ. You see, friends, God can't look beyond Jesus. God sees the world in three things. The incarnation of Christ and that teenager virgin that had the baby Jesus in the world, Mary. God sees the world in the incarnation. God sees the world in that hill called Golgotha Calvary where his son hung on that cross with nails in his hand, a crown on his head, a spear in his side and nails in his feet. God sees the world through the cross. And ultimately God releases the world through the open tomb where death could not hold him, but that his power, he rose from the grave and he conquered sin, Satan, and hell itself. And he said, all victory has been given unto me on heaven and in earth. And he says to the church, go and disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've taught you, and lo, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. The only thing we have as the church and the people of God it's not religion, it's not politics, it's not culture, it's the gospel. It is the good news that God still loves the world. and He's proven his love by giving us the greatest gift of all, and that is the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. In closing, Pastor and I, we were just talking about that, and, and I told Pastor, I said, well, some years ago, there, 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 I think there was a an African-American Lutheran Missouri Senate church here in, in Tulsa. And I think somebody remember what that church was. Prince of Peace, I think some people said it was. And uh, I don't think it exists anymore. It left the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate and went over to the ELCA during the walkout. And so it's not there anymore. And I think the Holy Spirit moved on the pastors to say, well, we need to do something about that. In a community where I don't know the population, probably 40% African-American or 30% African-American, we, we need to get back into that community with the good news of this gospel. And we need to remind them that God has not abandoned them, that God loves them. And proof that he loves them is the cross of Calvary. It is the empty tomb, it's the incarnation. And we need to share that with them. And so we talked about some ideas how we can go about doing that for the future so that we can tell other people how God still loves the world and how he has proved his love by sending his son, Jesus Christ. Let me close by saying this. Friends, don't go to heaven alone. Your name's already written on the Lamb's Book of Life. When you leave here, you go to be with Jesus and prepare a place for you, but don't go alone. Tell someone else about Jesus and let the Holy Spirit bring them alongside of you. That when you arrive and if you have any picture of who they are, you can say, I think I told that person about the gospel, but it won't be about you. It'll be about Jesus who saves the world on the cross of Calvary who releases the world in this eternity at the open tomb. Good news? You better believe it's good news. May God bless you in your endeavor to share this news with this community, to tell people constantly about the God who loves them, and to be the salt of the earth so that people can see the light of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen.